0: Ronnie
1: had it. She said Ronnie was sitting on it. If it hatches right now, I I don't know what I'll do with it. How many of you have had a good time this morning? Did Did you come to church for that? Well, if you didn't, you got it anyway. Okay. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful psalm. What a wonderful confession. Amen. Yes. This, if this doesn't light your fire, your woods wet, you know. Okay. Psalm 91.1. You can read with me. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord... You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion, and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name." He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Is that good or what?
0: (laughs) Everybody say, "Praise praise the Lord. Say, that's my song. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know, I don't know if you, if you really thought about this, but in that particular psalm, the first 13 verses will, would be like the believer speaking out what he's expecting from God and believing God for. The last three verses is the Father answering him. God says, I will, I will. There's about five I wills there, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. And so let's pray, and um, we're going to believe that faith is rising. Turn to your neighbor and say, faith is rising for you. Say, this is your day. Praise God. So, Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that in you we live and move and have our being. We thank you, Lord, that you have already spoken the result that we want to hear. Bless you. And so, Father, we, we just thank you today that we're going to start to see these three verses especially begin to work out in our lives because we're walking in the 91st Psalm. We thank you that there's a cause and effect, and uh, so we thank you that you're going to do it for us. In Jesus' name, remember, everyone said, amen. 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 All right. Praise the Lord. I got my chair there if I need it, but I feel good. <laughs> oh, man. I love that uh, expression. I think it's, uh, oh, golly. I'm trying to think which translation it is. J.B. Phillips, I think where it says I'm not I'm knocked down but not knocked out. Amen. How many can say that about yourself? Amen. All right, good deal. Let's just look at the notes here a minute. Let's put up Psalm 91:14. Okay, because he has set his love, say set his love Amen. upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. All right, the word set there is really important. So I say here uh, the promise of deliverance, deliverance. The first one, because he has set his love upon me, we must set our love, which means we are not lukewarm. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can't be lukewarm. You got to set your love. On Jesus, praise God. So we set; we must set our love and not be lukewarm, but rather uh, we have guarded our love for Christ. Just a couple of thoughts on the, on that uh, particular uh, point. Um, f- beginning in April, when I went through this start this this test, um. The amazing thing is, through it all, say, through it all, I've had no pain at all. I just had the peace of God. I've had no fear. None. Why should I? The Bible says, God has not given us, what? The spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Praise God. So I've set my love upon the Lord. In this life, you're not going to get through this life successfully if you don't set your love on the Lord. Uh, years ago, I and I were sent to Jamaica to speak, I think it was 1974, I think it was 74, and we went into the interior of Jamaica into a place called Uriton, and uh, It was right smack dab in the middle of the country, of Jamaica. So we get there, and of course, you know, no uh, air conditioning and all that stuff, and you're sleeping on a table, literally, you know, and uh, you you can, what were some of the bugs, Ina, that, uh, oh, she's taken off, okay. But we had all these crazy frogs croaking. And it, it it was not conducive to go to sleep. I guarantee you that. <laughs> and uh, then then you had the different creatures, or I say critters, scampering around on the tin roof, right? And then you had rain come, and that didn't help either. You know, I said I can knock you out first, and. <laughs> So anyway, but we made it through it. Well, the last day there we had a wedding we had to do. And so I was with a, another couple, ministerial couple from Washington, the state of Washington, Billy Schutz and his wife. And uh, so we were called to prophesy over this couple. Well, it was not just a couple. It was the associate pastor was getting married. And uh, I, was, I was hoping for the chance n- not to say anything. I wanted to just be there in the wedding, be a witness and say, good job, you know. <laughs> and they said, we we're bringing you back next year. I said, we'll see you next year, that kind of thing. But then the pastor looks at, at us and he said, now pastors Newell and Schutz are going to prophesy over this couple. Did you ever, were you ever in a place where you just didn't anything? You didn't have it? <clears throat> and so I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Oh, Lord, okay, well, please help me. Please help me. I, I don't have anything. All of a sudden, God just drops this word in me. Was it a word that you enjoyed prophesying? No. It was a... R- real strong word of correction. Put yourself in my place here. You know, I'm a, a guest here, you know. <laughs> I'm having to correct this guy by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, it, what I heard from God was, it was a warning for him to set his love upon, upon the Lord and upon his, the ministry and, and upon his wife in particular. And it kept going back to that, kept going back. While I'm doing this, I'm thinking, why are you doing this, you know? But but it was the Lord prompting me. My flesh didn't want to say these things. So (laughs) we both walked out of there. I don't know what happened, but (laughs) you asked me. (laughs) So anyway, we come back the next year. I said, where's the associate? Had to let him go. He was shacking up with a lot of women. I went, ah. Okay. That's why the warning was so strong. So what do you got to do? You got to set your love on him. What do you love more? What do you love more? Just let's say it like it is. Who's, who's really Lord? Who's really Lord? So... We, we, we get these great blessings, but we need to fulfill the, uh, the commands of God here. So the, the two words, deliverance and set, is love upon me. Number two, Psalm uh, 91.14b, is also in that verse, is the promise of promotion, right? Um, so we know how to use his name properly. I will set him on high because, that's part of the, the, the verse there, because he has known my name. How many know that means promotion? How many want God to set you on high? How many know we don't need to set ourselves on high? But uh, God will set you on high. Have you ever been roped into something by the Lord? You weren't ready for it? But you made a mistake of saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. (laughs) Anybody ever been there? (laughs) Well, I just finished a workout. I'm in New Orleans. I go to the, uh, I think, the second floor of this old church on Frenchman Street. And it was where they had the intercessory room. It was early in the afternoon. And uh, so I went in there and just knelt down and began to pray and finish my praying and uh, listening and that kind of thing. And I looked across. I knew there was somebody there in the room with me. And uh, it was one of the ladies in our church named Juanita Ebrons. And so I went over to her, and I'm standing over. I said, can I pray with you? Sure, she said. So I laid my hands on her, and I said, Father, I thank you for Sister Ebrons, And I thank you, Lord, that you have prepared, you are preparing her for the ministry you've just called her to. A new ministry that you've just called her to. The Lord showed it to me. She yanks, takes my arm and yanks me down to eye level. So that I'm looking at her, you know. She said, I prayed that if you were the answer to that prayer. That you would come over and pro- and prophesy over me, prophetically pray over me, what you just prayed over me. I'm going, what, are you, what are you, what's happening, Lord? You know. And so she said, I have just uh, started a ministry in the ninth ward of New Orleans. It was a tough area, and in the in the late '60s, how many know they're burning cities? There's racial issues. And this is a heavily uh, black area, you know. And uh, I'm a little white guy from New Jersey. And I'm not used to interracial relations and all that. But uh, I mean, the Lord knows how to get you involved. (laughs) And so I said, okay. Uh, What are you telling me? She said, well... I prayed that if you're the one to do the work of the ministry, she said, let me explain something to you. She said, I went to to this area on St. Maurice Street, still remember it, in New Orleans. And in St. Maurice Street, uh, I have all these preteens that I'm teaching. I forget what day it was. Tuesdays, I, I think it was Tuesdays. And she said, I needed somebody. We had about 18 teenagers that uh, needed teaching, and there was no one there to teach them. And so I said, uh, and so what are you telling me? She said, I prayed that if you were the guy to teach these kids, that you'd come over here and speak these words over me. Oh, the joy of the Lord. (laughs) And, you know, The Holy Spirit said, "Uh, what are you going to do? So I said, yes. But I said yes with fear and trembling. And I told the Lord, I said, Father, I'll go. But man, you know, (laughs) you know my background, all this kind of thing. and uh, I I need a lot of grace here. Because uh, what am I supposed to teach him? He said, first thing, the atonement, what, what, what? This is the Father talking, what I did through Christ, the atonement. Go into depth. And then he said, I want you to lay hands on him and get him filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, how, how long should I teach all this? He said, until all this happens. I said, okay, wow. So I go, I go there with fear and trembling, but God gives me grace. He gives me confidence. He gives me boldness. And uh, I'm amazed. How many know when you say yes to God? Then he fills in the blanks for you. Right? And so things started happening. A lot of these kids got saved, started getting saved. Well, I got a call from one of their pastors. And he said... What are you teaching them over there? And I told him. He said, "Well, maybe I need to come and listen to." Because he said, "I've talked to these kids and nothing's happened." And they, but they're responding to you. And I went, "Well, praise God, you know." And so, I stayed there, and we came to the place where they were ready for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we called in uh, some of our our elders and pastors from the Word of Faith Church. When they came in, we laid hands on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Praise the Lord. One of them was became a pastor. Yeah, he, and his wife, whom we married, uh, he said, I, want, I feel God's calling me into the ministry. And he wound up having his own church and still has it and still pastoring. Got a big old church there, and God has really used him in a mighty way. So what am I saying is that when you say yes to the Lord, you, you don't necessarily know where you're going to go, but it's okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, and then, this is, this is really amazing. Uh, I bec- I'm becoming more well-known there. And so I get a phone call from this one lady, and she said, "Would you please come for my and pray for my son? He's very disobedient, and he's in a body cast." And I'm thinking, I'd be disobedient you. <laughs> but uh, I said, "Yeah, I'll come. I'll come." And as soon as I walk in the room, I look at this kid. And I can see the demonic in his eyes. How I mean, no, you can tell. And uh, so I, I told the mom, I said, this is a demonic problem. And I said, the Lord wants to deliver him. The Lord will deliver him today because he loves you guys. And so we had one other person and the mom in the room. And we rebuked the spirit. Well, As it turned out, a couple days later, she said, he's totally different. You know, and the thing's gone and it's not coming back. I said, praise God. Then I get a call from the lady who was the, uh, the, the lady that opened her house for all this. And she said, would you please come and pray for my husband? Said, he's dying of cancer. And we have no answers. Done, have gone to the doctors, done all these things. And uh, he wants you to come and pray for him. I said, wow, okay. All right. So I went over there. We rebuked the cancer. and As it turned out, it left. Gone. And I have to tell you, it was like churches started opening to me all over the Ninth Ward. All over. And I'd go where I felt I could go and speak my heart, you know. And I'm thinking back, one act of obedience led to all, all this open door. Wow. God's good, man. Okay, let's move on. Glory to God. So he says here, uh, in number. where were we, number two? The promise of promotion is to fill in. That that was what we just what we just said. We finished that. So number three, Psalm ninety one fifteen. The promise of answered prayer. Let's let's look at this. Um, he will call out to me, and I will answer him. How many of you realize that? You've seen that happen. He will call out to me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I have leaned on this verse many times, especially over this past year. I will save him and honor him. Praise the Lord. Say, that's for me. Say, I take this. This doesn't just belong to you. It belongs to me, too. So you're getting a little feisty here. (laughs) Uh, we know how to use the name properly. So he said, I will, uh, uh, we we just said that, okay. Number three, the promise of answered prayer is the fill-in, right? So one night, Ina and I had been in an apartment, uh, and In this in a part of another part of the city Because Mimi how many remember Mimi when she she passed in 2013 Uh, Ina's mom uh, we wanted to be there with her She's 97 And um, we felt like we we need our own place. We need our own home But we need to stay with her. That's more important And then Mimi passed and so we're there by ourselves and uh, I-, I can't remember whether Ina actually woke me up or told me in the morning, but she said, I had a really clear vision la- last night that a bullet hole came through the ceiling and barely missed us. A, a actual bullet came through the ce- our ceiling. And... Uh, in, in the apartment there. So, um, all, all of a sudden, maybe a day later, you know, we're, we're just getting up in the morning, and I hear all the, I hear police helicopters screaming outside, and so I open the curtains, and there's a black helicopter <laughs> there's there's uh, a squat team S- SWAT team is there you know and <laughs> <laughs> and so you know I, I, and I said I, I said and I said you better get up I think they're after us. No, I knew they were (laughs) actually looking for Ronnie. Yeah, (laughs) we know nothing. We know nothing, you know (laughs) So anyway, here's the, the, the There's a guy upstairs who had bunked in with this young couple the young couple met him in a bar the night before And the guy was, uh, he was a murderer. Yeah, yeah, and the police had been all over the city. Yes, Ina? Yeah, four times. Yeah, and he was holding this couple after they got home from the bar hostage. Whoa, right right above us, yeah. So we're in the line of fire, baby! (laughs) According to her word, you know. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, oh my gosh! So anyway, uh, and I I look out the window, and here are people with handcuffs, face down on the concrete. I'm thinking. I, I look at him. I said, "I think it's time to move. What do you think? <laughs> 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 I think we need to get out of here." <laughs> so. It, it it was it was it was something else and so later that afternoon i think it was we went to see the uh, what do you want to say landlord or the uh, the the lady over the apartments you know yeah all right the the property manager and everything and i said look we realize that we have some months left on our contract here but we really <laughs> don't feel safe <laughs> In this area, and she said, "I don't blame you at all. <laughs> like, if I could move, I'd like to as well." You know, she said, "Do you want to? Do you want to just cut it? Cut it short? You won't have to. You're not going to be penalized or anything." Like that. and then, if you find a, a a home you're looking for, you're free to go. Oh, the joy of the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> so. That evening, Ina said, Dave, we need to get in the car and go over. She said, I know exactly where we need to go and uh, look for a, a house. I said, okay. I've learned to trust her big time. So we get in the car. We drive. I'm, I'm, I am try to reason with her a little bit, though. I said, at nighttime? Looking for a house at night? <coughs> she said, I got night faith. Just drive. <laughs> so we drive we drive out there, you know. She said, Take a right. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> drive slowly, yes, ma'am. Okay, so here's this house for sale. She said, That's it. Would you go to the next day on Saturday? Would you go and see if we can uh, put an offer on this place? I said, sure. So bottom line, that be, literally became our house. I got there the next day. It was a lot. To, people were crawling over, over the place, picking things up. They, they were. I looked around. I said, these people are going to buy this. House. They're not going to buy it. They're just looking for stuff. Oh, yeah, it was a hoarder's house, and they uh, they had died, and um, <laughs> not through the hoarding, but they just they had died. <laughs> so, anyway, we made an offer, and they took it immediately, and we, the Lord had the money for us, and we were able to get in. Hallelujah. So, yeah, I will be with him in times of trouble. I will call out to him, and I will answer him. That's, we I mean, we? got to stand on the word, folks. We have, to, we have to stand on the word. Number four, Psalm 90, 91, verse 15, the promise of protection protection. He is not only with us but wants to honor us. and I say this the story of George Washington. Um, this is amazing. I'm a historian but I wrote this out because I felt like that it was so appropriate for this verse. you know he said, I will be with him in times of trouble I will save him. And honor him. He not only is going to what save you, he's going to honor you too. Yeah. Well, I don't deserve it. Shut up. <laughs> None of us do, folks. All right. And I wrote this from the, um, who is it George Barney? George Barney? No, not Barney. Who's the, the guy that uh, uh, Andrew Womack has on historian? David Barton. David Barton. this is from uh, their Bible. This is a story of George Washington, who was a, a young man at the time. And uh, the British were fighting against the French and Indians. And it was called the French and Indian War. And it, it was from a timeline, it was around 1753 to 63. But this particular event took place in 1755. And. Washington was leading a brigade, and they were in the woods. And according to history, 714 British were shot down in just a a couple of hours. And uh, uh, so many officers were killed or wounded. Washington was a young officer at the time. And he made this quote. He said, uh, "I I have been protected beyond due human probability and expectation. For I have had four bullets. Thank you. I've had four bullets through my vest. And two horses shot from under me. Yet I escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions on every side of me. One of the chiefs that was hiding in the woods and shooting at him said, I shot 17 times at Washington. Point blank didn't hit him. Actually, he did because (laughs) the bullet holes were in his back. But he, he... was protected and concluded that Washington was under the care of the great spirit you think <laughs> and then another chief named Red Hawk said I shot at him 11 times and he said I never hit him and he said I came to the same conclusion as my brother here brother chief yeah the Lord needed that man for later on especially. So we see the promise of protection. And then, uh, well, you know, and I've probably told you the story, but um, you call on him, and he will answer you. I was in Haiti a number of years ago, and uh, I think it was 1990. I got there not at an appropriate time. The country had just gone through a revolution. Uh, they had ransacked Papa Doc's house, the Valier, and um, it was like chaos. <laughs> I'm talking to the Lord. I said, you think we got the timing right here, Father? <laughs> and But he's, he's never wrong. So um, I was there with a guy named Arlie Whitlow, who's with Jesus now, he pastored. South Carolina, and uh, so we were together. There was uh, Pat Gruetz, who was the missionary uh, to Haiti from America, and uh, we we had gone out to eat at this restaurant. We were staying on on her on her campus. She had a Bible school, a, a medical school, and. Uh, in a church, and so we were st- staying there and doing business there, but they had taken us to this restaurant um, in Haiti. It was, it was in a hotel, we had a wonderful meal, and I get in the car with everybody. I'm in the back seat, and all of a sudden, we come to a roadblock, and so Arlie speaks to this guy who's driving, and he said, sir, if they shoot the, the person in front of us, just go around, do an in-run, you know, listen. So the guy, they pull up, made him get out of the car. There was no uniforms at all. Just these guys with machetes and axes and guns screaming in Spanish that nobody understood, at least there, it was the, the area of the, of the uh, nation. And uh, they were screaming at us to get out of the car. How many think I was praying in tongues? <laughs> What's the value of praying in tongues? Well, I, let me tell you, baby, that, that was one of the reasons. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, through it all, I felt this peace. And we, so we got out, and uh, they started looking in our car four-wheel drive and all this. They're looking at at the car, and we didn't know what they were looking for. They didn't have any uniforms. As it turned out, they were vigilantes trying to protect their, their territory. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will save him and honor him. Right? When you lean on that, baby, you lean on that. Right? Just saying. So they told us to get back in the car and get out, which we were so happy to do. (laughs) As it turned out, these guys had killed, we found out later, had killed a a guy the day before who invaded their territory, quote-unquote, and had had uh, guns in the car. We had Bibles, right? And so they let us go. Talk about the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? <laughs> Singing that song. <laughs> I knew people had been probably awakened to pray for us, you know. But God is so He's so faithful. Say, God is so faithful. And then Psalm ninety-one 16, let's look at this one. The promise of long life. It ends by saying, and I will show him my salvation. How many know God is the keeper? Right? We really can't keep ourselves. We can to a degree, but there are, there are times and places where we just cannot do that. And so... Without going to a really long story, uh, I went to New York State back in 1967 uh, as a seminary student. Uh, I was called to go there for the summer and uh, in the Presbyterian Church up there. And I, I met two brothers named McCracken. One of them, the older one, was Sonny McCracken. The younger one was Frank McCracken. And uh, they were big baseball guys when I met them. Love baseball. Of course, we were right there in the Hall of Fame, Cooperstown. And actually had played in the first baseball game in 1939 when they dedicated the, uh, the museum. So my first call, I was there just a couple of weeks and I got a phone call. Please come to the hospital. So I get to the hospital and the older McCracken, Sonny McCracken, uh, had... We didn't know, but he had actually died. Um, And they were trying to revive him. It didn't look like they were going to revive him. When I got there, I said, look, I don't know what's going on, but let's all get in a circle and we'll hold hands. We're going to speak the word for that, brother. And so we did. And as we found out later, God literally raised him from the dead because he had died. So that opened a door for me, and I got to be really close friends with Frank McCrack and his, and his family, Peg and the kids, Frank Jr. and, and, uh, and his sister. And so we, be, we kept friendship all through the years. We actually wound up, uh, years later, ordaining Frank Sr. And, uh, in the ministry. And he was. We got him filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, today, his son Frank Jr., who I had baptized in water. Just call him. He looked like a little tiger. He had flaming red hair and freckles everywhere. You know. And I remember, I would. I was kidding, kidding. I said because I baptized he and his sister in water in a pond. Uh, The the first summer I was there, and I said, Frank, I'm holding you down, baby. (laughs) When I see the hands go up and the bubbles coming, I'll let you up, you know, (laughs) his big eyes. And uh, so, but Frank Sr., we both became close friends, but Frank Sr. and I kept close, oh, we kept close. And I had been there, and he said, look, I want to, God's called me to pastor, will you ordain me? said, sure. So we ordained him. I went up with Garland Pemberton, good friend of mine. He's with Jesus. And uh, it was a wonderful time. We prophesied over a bunch of people. And we would go back every year for years as a result of that. Today, Frank McCracken Sr. is 97. Still having Bible studies teaching a little Bible class on Sunday morning, I think, you know. And the people love him. He, he was the first pastor, and he turned it over to his son, who's pastor now, you know. And uh, God is so good. He does things in multiple, m- multiplied ways. Long life and good friendship. How many vote for both? Amen. Let's stand. I told a lot of stories because I really feel with this psalm, it's meant to be lived out. It's not something for just exegetical study, but it's something for uh, living day by day. And so I put my hand, I lift my hand over this awesome congregation. I thank you that they are so hungry for you. They love you so much. And, And I are so blessed to be able to pastor this group. They're awesome. And we, we just thank you that they hunger for you, that they love you. We bless them, Father, and they're coming in and then they're going out. And Lord, you're, you're already beginning to give them the, the your own, their own stories for Psalm 91. These last few verses that I read you're already starting to walk them through that. They're going to have their own story. I even hear the Holy Spirit say this. Some of you, the Lord is going to ask you to begin to write down, take in Psalm 91, whatever portion of it that you feel led to do, make notes and eventually put into a little booklet just to give out to people. And so, Father, we we just thank you, Lord that this is a new day. It's a time of uh, publishing the good tidings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. With every eye closed, head bowed, if you're here and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is time to do it. I'm looking at you and I know most of you, if not all, know Jesus. But if you don't, In a few minutes, we're going to open the altars here, and you're more than welcome to come and receive prayer. I'd like our altar team to come now, if you will, please. The Bible should never be just a mental exercise. It needs to be lived out. What better Psalm than Psalm 91 to be lived out? And I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have your own examples of some of the things we talked about this morning. Most all of you have had, I'm sure. And don't be afraid to share that with people. How many know people are groping today? They're searching. They're walking in darkness. Matter of fact, they're walking in deep darkness. Even when I was in the hospital this past week for three days getting recharged and all that, um, I had a chance to really share my testimony with various nurses and things, even doctors. And uh, how many know we have to play the ball where it lies? Amen. So, Father, we just thank you today that you're turning your people into towers of your righteousness and light, the light of Christ. We, we live in a time of great darkness, but they are the light of this life because of Christ Jesus living on the inside. We thank you for it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on if you need prayer for anything, and you're dismissed.